Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Pixel Sift is proudly supported by you. We couldn't do what we do each week without your help. And if you'd like to show your support for Pixel Sift, you can do so right now by heading to our merch store at pixelsift.com.au forward slash store and picking up some t-shirts, tote bags, or even some severely yellow Pixel Sift socks. Head to pixelsift.com forward slash store and enter the promo code SIFTERS, that's S-I-F-T-E-R-S, to get 25% off your order. That's pixelsift.com.au forward slash store and the promo code SIFTERS. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of Pixel Sift. If this is the first time you're joining us, we're a weekly video game show where we talk to indie game creators from around the world and ask them why they create the things they do. My name is James, and though you might not have seen me that much on camera before, I was one of the founding members of Pixel Sift, and I'm taking on hosting duties today while Gianni's away. Joining me today is my co-host, Scott. Hello, hello. And our guest this week is a creator of a mean GIF... I mean GIF? I mean GIF? And the developer of Dead Static Drive, Mike Blackney. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, oh you're welcome. You sound a little bit robotic Digital there, there, but yeah. hopefully but no, it he's there. corrects itself throughout the day. Um, we've been following Dead Static Drive keenly, and we've been looking forward to getting you on the show to talk about how the game was made. We'll learn all about that in the second half of the show, but Scott, what are we talking about first? Well, are you a dirty, stinking cheater? Do you up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start? We've opened our manuals and flipped to the notes pages today. We're talking all about cheating in games, be they single player cheats or those people who take their hacks online. All that and more coming up right now. You're listening to Pixel Sift. Or you might be watching Pixel Sift on Twitch. Pixel Sift. So, we were inspired this week by a video by YouTube channel Wrestling With Gaming that breaks down the history of the Game Shark and the Game Genie tools that, until the PlayStation 2 era, allowed you to adjust values for lives, damage, and almost anything within a game. Uh, Mike, did you load up on the hex editor and give yourself an unfair advantage uh, at any time back in the day? Oh, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I Because I, I'm really old. I don't know if um, you, you realize, but I'm nearly 40. I'll be 40 next year. And um, I grew up on Sega Master System, which was like Good back in the, 80s, the console to have. Um, I don't think that internationally it did that well, but it did really well in Australia. Um, yeah, I loved the Master System and I would read Sega Pro, Mean Machines, every magazine that I could every single week 
just so that I could find every cheat that I could for every game that I rented. Wow, that's <laughs> that's essentially. Um, I'm from a different age demographic, so I am sorry if that does make you feel old, Mike, and even <laughs> Scott. But um, I had very similar things growing up as well. I remember buying the official Xbox magazine, or at least buying Ooh. the the CDs or discs from them from the like the store that they were from. Um, news agents, they call them now. I remember that. The, pl- the PlayStation magazine, you'd get a demo disc with yeah, like exactly. a bunch of games and on. And it has game saves and stuff on there as well, where yeah. you could like load up you know, specific parts of games that'll unlock pretty much almost anything that you were already playing at the time. See, wow. Mike, I'm also old. Um, not quite as old as you, but probably in between James <laughs> and yourself. <laughs> so I, my first gaming console was the, uh, the NES. And um, I find it funny actually looking back because... I wasn't really aware of all these, um, you know, even going back to the, uh, the 80s. I think the first one was in 85 was the Snapshot 64. And then I think that turned into, uh, that went on to the Daytel's Action Replay, which was for the Commodore 64. Um, and then Gaming Genie was in 1990. I think that went to Gaming Wizard, which is 93. And then the Game Shark, which was like mid-90s. Um, it was funny because, yeah, like I said, you know, advertising wasn't strong there. There was no internet. Um, I wasn't aware of most of these things until quite late, which is a real shame. Yeah, I mean, they were they had a huge advantage. I remember going into my local game traders and back when game traders existed yeah. in Australia, and they had still action replay still. They had some for the 360. <laughs> they were heavy on the PS2 and the... Um, PS3 and Xbox as well. I don't know if they went to... Well, actually, you you would know more than I would do. As far as I'm aware, the game shot and its styling stopped with the PlayStation 2. But there are still things available? Well, there were. I don't think they make them for Xbox One or anything anymore no. because I think there is this stigma coming in now where, where cheating is bad. Well, not so much for single-player games, but especially in, in multiplayer games, which we're going to touch on. Well, interestingly enough... Um, after the 90s, Mad Cats, who's a brand, one of the first brands of all that that I'm actually familiar with, um, they purchased GameShark in 2003, bankrupted in 2017, but have just launched, relaunched again uh, January 2018. So maybe they've got something in store for the new... This is Mad Cats. This is Mad Cats. Well, but they own GameShark, so... Right, exactly. Maybe. But they do make other peripherals as well. Like they I remember do. having a Mad Cats uh, Game Boy controller. I still have a Mad Cats uh, Super NES controller and it's the black one. And it's the, the it's the one that you don't want to grab because it's like not quite the right feel of the original. And it, that's the same of all second, um, you know, um, off-brand peripheral devices really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Mike, do you remember any specific game you cheated on and how... You, you cheated? Or, well, not cheated. Maybe it was just to give yourself a little bit of an advantage. But um, do you remember any specific things? Yeah, really. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, oops. Like, the one, like, the one that I remember the most was Thunder Force 4, um, which was uh, it was a side-scroller that looked a little bit like R-Type, if you remember that. Um, and it, it was so difficult, I could barely get through one level of the game. But it had a, a cheat where you could get um, 99 lives. All you had to do nice. is you had to go into the options and you just said, I want to have zero lives. And so few people had ever done that, that like it was a, it was like a word of mouth thing in the, uh, in the schoolyard. You'd tell your friends, no, select that you have zero extra lives and it'll give you 99 lives. Um, and that was just barely enough for me to finish the game. Well, that's what I was kind of getting at with the, um, the lack of me knowing about any of this during my upbringing. Because, yeah, you didn't know. I mean, it was word of mouth or, or you saw it in the back of a magazine or whatever. You know, there wasn't a lot of strong advertising on TV for this sort of thing. 
um, or when I was allowed to watch TV anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you either heard about it from a friend that had been overseas or, you know, something like that. It was really all from the schoolyard, yeah. Yeah. I actually, apart from those game saves that I was talking about and the official Xbox, whatever it was. like Play- the PlayStation magazine. Yeah, the, the, whatever it was, you know, whatever I was playing on. I remember um, playing Age of Mythology and I, I used to do swimming training and there was this guy at swimming training who's like, oh, you know, there are cheats that you can do. And I was like, what? 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 You mean I can get a bear with laser eyes shooting out like on my team helping me out? <laughs> and that was probably the first time I remember cheating, but I still play, play Age of Mythology. And because it's such a slow game, I always use that cheat that speeds it up i just uh bought finally uh the hd versions of uh, aoe and i mean I, th- I think for me anyway as a as a cheater <laughs> rts is where it's at um you know i don't i couldn't think of i'm sure i've cheated in many games before but consistently and i guess methodically i would che- i would cheat in rts and oh, much of the like aoe uh just because yeah, it's sped up the process. Also, you kind of like be able to live out your dreams of, you know, building that huge army and rolling in and blah, 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 and things that would take hours that I just kind of didn't have. <laughs> um, we have had a little bit of walk down uh, like a nostalgia trip down memory lane. Oh, yeah, but- it's going to be hard not to, I think, today. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but let's kind of move on to, to multiplayer games. Like I know there's there's a lot of stuff online about especially Blizzard and Overwatch about putting the, the ban hammer down and actually banning not only players' accounts, but I, um, players' hardware from ever playing the game again, mm. even though they've spent money Zero on it. Zero tolerance um, with Blizzard. It's yeah. uh, you stuff up and you're banned. And yeah, exactly. A full ban of everything they can control. And I, think, I guess that's the difference between the cheating that we were just talking about uh, and the che- cheating that you just mentioned there is that... Uh, <laughs> for lack of better terminology, that I feel that there's a good cheating or acceptable cheating and not so acceptable cheating. And one of those would be, I think the definition there and the difference is that one's online and involves other people trying to play the game just as it's meant to be played. And the other one is you by yourself just trying to, again, play the game how you want to play it. And that's fine. I think it's, it's almost like a, what has turned into the modding community. You know, playing the game, like, look at Grand Theft Auto Online, like, uh, sorry, Grand Theft Auto, um, and you see all the videos of people modding it online. That's the new school version of it, I feel, in a, in a strange way, M- messing around with the codes and stuff. Yeah, like trying to give yourself cool characters. Like, I suppose wanting to look like a certain person, let's say you want to be a giant teddy bear running around in Grand Theft Auto or something, is that the same as having unlimited, like, health in Grand Theft Auto? Because you're just playing the game how you want to play it. If you want to go around and shoot stuff without yeah. actually having to stop and start again, like, you're maybe You're still that's- cheating the system how it's not meant to be used, regardless of how you uh, qualify cheating. Are you going to put any cheats in any of your games ever, Mike? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to have cheats. I think that um, modding is fantastic and I want people to mod my game if they can, if they're interested at all. Yeah, I love that. Um, Like, I got my first job in the games industry from modding and that's how I got where I am today. I would never have gotten there if it weren't for Unreal Tournament 2004 and and being able to jump in and make your own own camera modes, your own level modes. Um, I made a few maps that, like, just did things that were different and it... It was so exciting to do that, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, undoubtedly, a, a lot of developers would have a similar story to you. You know, that is that would be the first access that they to they ha- that they had to kind of altering anything like that. On that, 
On that note, we're going to move along to our next topic, which is talking to Mike Blackney, who's joined us about his game Dead Static Drive. But first, here's a message from one of our sponsors. <laughs> Yo, video game dude, talk to me! This is Game Genie, Brokaloo, the awesome video game enhancer for your Nintendo Entertainment System. Attach it to most of your video games. Double Dragon 3 or Super Mario Bros. 3. You can go to any level, live forever, jump higher, make your own effects, and get radical firepower. Go to any level, jump higher, stay bigger, live forever. Game Genie, the radical video game enhancer. So obviously that was not one of our sponsors. <laughs> that it, was a, that was a wicked video from uh, Game Genie uh, back in the day that we forgot to swipe in there. That was like a... Um, early 90s um, VHS quality advertisement for Game Genie that was by two pseudo Bill and Ted characters. Pixel Civ! It's not Pixel Civ. It's Pixel Sift. Pixel Civ! Mike Blackney is the creator of Dead Static Drive. We've absolutely loved the look of it, of course, seeing it at PAX for the past two years. For our listeners who maybe aren't quite familiar with your game, Mike, how would you describe it to them? Oh, okay. Um, I described it as Grand Theft Cthulhu. Um, that's my, my three-word pitch. Um, but if anyone's interested after that and um, and they want to hear more, usually I say it's a, a, a psychological, uh, psychic horror road trip adventure game. Yeah, it definitely that's does. That's pretty accurate, yeah. yeah. It gives off that vibe from playing. <laughs> I mean, the art style itself is quite gothic. Um, where do you draw your inspiration from in designing a world to look and feel like this, you know, psychological Midwestern thriller kind of thing? Oh, everywhere, basically. Um, anything that I find appealing in the world, full stop. But but where I started from was I loved um, poster art. So almost everywhere at the moment you can see there's like a design style that's becoming in vogue at the moment, or it was a few years ago when I started the game, and that's um, just flat colours, simple Illustrator, like Adobe Illustrator artwork, um, and maybe a couple of gradients, but more often than not just flat colours. And when I saw a lot of posters like that, I just thought, you know what? It's, it's beautiful and artistic, and a lot of designers, a lot of like graphic designers really get into this. I love it. I think it's beautiful. And because I've got kind of skills as a technical artist, I think I can do it. And I think it would look different from other people's games. So kind of, I was just doing it for a laugh. I was playing with Unreal because Unreal was new and I was uh, playing with some game ideas. And so I just tried editing the shaders, making it look like that. And it really, I thought it worked. Uh, so I turned it into a game. Now, m- mentioning Unreal there, um, you uh, had some kind of cahoots with them going back a few years now and i'm not 100 <laughs> percent sure on the details but i'm sure you know what i'm alluding to uh, do you want to explain that a little bit uh yeah well um i what i what happened is uh i was working in unreal unreal um 4 ue4 had just recently been released and it was fairly new on the um on the scene and everyone else was using unity but mm. epic decided they were going to give out um opportunities to show your game at gdc and I go to GDC every year and I love going there. It's a great place to, to meet my friends and to just kind of hang out with other game developers. So I said, hey, listen, Epic, I'd love to show my game. I've only been working on it for a little while, but I think it could be something really good. And they looked at it and they were like, yeah, look, it's, it's like we've got some really good games we want to show. So you're not quite ready yet. But there's this thing we're doing where we give out money. Um, here's some cash to work on your game mm. just here's a grant to just go towards your game 
And I found out about that when I was at GDC. I was in the middle of a talk and suddenly I had, at the time I had like 300 followers on Twitter. No one really knew who I was. And, um, and I was sitting at a talk and suddenly I opened up Twitter and I had like 200 mentions or something. And it was wow. absolutely wow. absurd at the time. I just thought, what, is my phone broken? And my phone wouldn't work anymore because <laughs> it, was a, it was an iPhone 4 and it, it, didn't, it busted basically. There were too many mentions on Twitter for it to function. So, wow. Um, it was amazing. And then I walked from the talk that I was in over to the Epic booth and was just like, hi, apparently I just got money or something. I don't know. And then I met Tim Sweeney and they oh. brought me up to the special like all access booth and said, just hang out with us. You're one of us now. It you're was a VIP like, now. <laughs> yeah, you're a VIP now. It was, it was the most surreal experience I've had in my life. It was just, it felt suddenly like um, I'd been acknowledged after swimming kind of alone in the dark for a long time. So, it was really weird. Now, speaking of GDC, um, you took the game there this year um, yes, to show. Yeah, I did. How was that received? It was so well received. Um, yeah, th- thankfully, I've been um, kind of taken under the wing of Double Fine um, because they do a Day of the Devs event um, every GDC, but also they do it regularly in California, just a small um, indie fest where they get to show off a bunch of games that they think are interesting, that have kind of a certain look to them, a certain vibe to them that they think works for um, the Day of the Devs curation that they're trying to put together. Um, and thankfully, yeah, Greg Rice, the um, kind of the uh, business developer there at Double Fine, he's loved the game and he's been really supportive of it. And everyone at Double Fine seemed really supportive of of what I'm doing. Um so they invited me last year to go to show the game off at um, Day of the Devs, and I couldn't make it. Unfortunately, I had to visit my grandma, and she's 97, um, so I don't have that many opportunities to see her. Um, so I couldn't go, but mm. then I said, listen, can I go to um, GDC and show it there? And they only had 12 games there, and they said yes. So I got to show it off, and we went to the Alamo Draft House, um, which is a cinema there, like a really cool cinema in um, the Mission District in San Francisco. And I got to show the game on a cinema screen wow. in front of 400 other developers, play my game in front of people. And it was just, it was so surreal. It was amazing. And I, I've, I've had nothing but good things happen since then. Um, lots of talks with, with, with press, with publishers, um, with people who are interested in helping me, which is always wonderful to, to hear from people who like believe in the game enough to be willing to put themselves out there and get in touch with me. Um, so, yeah, it's just been phenomenal. The, the response has been amazing. Now, when we first met you, um, which was a couple of years ago now, uh, you're a games lecturer at SAE Quantum, I believe. Um, yeah. So, you left that alone to commit to development uh, full time. Um, how, do, how does how and does did that feel comparing to when you first made the decision to go out on your own uh, to now? Oh, um, it felt really amazing. When I was working at SAE, um, I love that job, by the way. No teaching, doubt, yeah. Um, at a university, teaching is just so incredible because um, in a high school, everyone has to be there. Um, and so everyone turns up and some people just don't feel committed. They don't really know what they want to do. But when you get to university, people have kind of forked out a little bit and have decided, I want to be this. Um, and now they haven't always decided it for the right reason, right? Um, sometimes they decide they want to be in games because they love playing games or because their friends love games or because they kind of haven't decided anything else and they've heard that you can make money in games. 
Did not everyone did. <laughs> I'd say probably about half the people who study games want it really badly. Yeah, cool. um, And that's a bit of a problem too, because it's something like $60,000 to do a university degree at some of, uh, at some of the private education um, institutions at the moment. So like, it's a really bad decision if you don't want to do it. But it's, it's just, it's so rewarding. I've loved it so much. And I, I, um, yeah, it was really heartbreaking to decide I need to leave that and I need to devote myself to my game. But since then, the game's come so far. I've had so much fun um, kind of progressing it in the last nine months since I quit. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't undo that for a second. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm glad it sounds like you're getting just as much enjoyment out of it as people are in their reception of it, us mm. especially, because we love it. Um, I've got a question from one of our Twitch viewers now, if that's okay, Mike. This is from Inflatable Cat, and he or she says, I think my favorite DSD GIF is... GIF, GIF? I never know. It doesn't Sorry. matter. I think my favorite DSD GIF is one of the characters grabbing the gasoline pump, getting almost to a car, and then the pump line gets <laughs> caught, and the character just falls backwards, lol. <laughs> Oh, that's not really a, um, a fan question. Sorry, a, but what what, in, what inspired you to do things like that? Clever little things. Yeah. Um, I I like the absurd, and I think that a lot of horror needs the absurd. A lot of horror needs um, ridiculous things to happen. And now that that's actually my most successful tweet like ever. I think it's twice as successful as anything else that I've shared. Um, which I didn't expect at the time. I thought, oh, this is just a throwaway. This is a piece of rubbish. But people really latched onto it. They thought, this is really fun. Um, but I, I, I want the game to be filled with surprises. And that was one of the things that I wanted to put in because I, wanted, I want to make sure that everything about the game really sells this idea that you're on a road trip and you're doing things that people do in real life on a road trip. So you're filling your car up. You're throwing your luggage into your trunk of your car. Um, you really have to manage um, all of the different like dimensions of traveling on the road. And I just thought, this is hilarious. This would be fantastic. If, you, if you're being surrounded by um, some sort of undead creature, right, and you're trying to fill your car up and you've got to get out of there, um, how wonderful would it be if you parked a little bit too far away from the pump? Would, yeah, no, it's it's the type of stuff that you would see in a modern day horror film, which yeah, I think or, is like really refreshing. Not even modern day. I, I get a massive uh, Beetlejuice sand monster thing feels from those, uh, <laughs> or even June. I don't know. It's like a it's it's a lots it's lots of uh, things coming together in my mind, but it's good. It feels familiar yet. Yeah, I, you know what you said. You said if you feel surreal about a lot of the things that you've been through introducing the game to to people, and I think that's it. That is a feeling of the game in itself. It's a very horroristic, surreal feeling that you're in this kind of apocalyptic, dangerous world. Um, but yeah, it's really enjoyable. I loved it. Um, so, <laughs> is this your first for uh, jump into solo game development? Yeah, yeah, it really is. I, I mean, I've made I made uh, one game that did moderately well on iPhone, which was called Zitstorm. When, <laughs> Explain, <laughs> please. IPhone, yeah, um, it, it kind of it's it describes itself. It's it's a pimple popping <laughs> game, right? Um, and you can't get it anymore because they updated um, iOS and the resolutions changed, and so it's been taken down from oh, the store. No. But at the time, it was a pimple popping game where you get. Um, 
you get combos and your goal is to create a zit storm, which is when lightning would shoot between every zit that you squeeze and you would get higher and higher points. And people thought it was fine. I sold it and I made a decent amount of money off it. Um, that's my first, <laughs> that's my first solo game. And from there I started work on, um, before then I'd been like in the industry working on Xbox and PlayStation games, but like nothing solo. Um, and then I started a, like a little business where I made a series of iPhone games for Fox um, and a couple of film studios that were local. And that kind of was fine, but I just, I'm not really into designing games for other people. Mm. Um, and I also worked on Antichamber with Alex Bruce. I worked on that for a little bit and he got such amazing acclaim for that game for doing something that was big and bold and him. Um and, and the thing about Antichamber is you look at that game and it kind of is Alex Bruce. Like, it's him. So much of him was put into the game. So much of his time was spent on it. It reflects his kind of his mental state at the time and who he was. Mm-hmm. And so seeing that and, and kind of it, it emboldened me, the idea that I could make this game that reflects me, that has, that has me, right? Like, I love horror. I love I love Kurt Russell. I love bad <laughs> 80s movies. Um, and so I should make something that reflects me. I should make something that has um, that has bad humor, that has frightening horror, that has Silent Hill elements, right? That has the kinds of things that I love and adore about video games, that they can make you feel things, that they can terrify you, that they can have mechanics that kind of really engage you. And while you're away from them, you want to go back and you just want to work that one thing out. And you think about them when you're at work all day and you're like, oh, I can't wait to get home and just level up my mace to the next level and see if I can, you know, I I love video games doing that. So I want to make sure that the things that I want about games that I want there to be in games, I want to put them out there so that other people can enjoy them. Well, I think you've done a fantastic job of that. Um, All of the things that you've expressed verbally to us are in the game uh, mechanically and artistically and creatively. Um, For people that are listening and getting hyped up about and they want to experience the game, uh, when will we see a launch? I don't know. <laughs> sorry. It puts out hard questions to you. Um, it's, that's one of the hardest. Qu- the, the two questions that I can't answer right now yep. are when's the launch date and what platforms. Okay. And I really, okay. really, really want to answer them soon. Um, but I, if, I, if I give out an answer and then it ends up being incorrect, then people could get really upset. So my, my goal is to make it as soon as possible um, for as many platforms as I can get it on. And that- most... Sorry, that's absolutely fine. Um, I mean, if people want to keep uh, in touch with you and, and to uh, keep up to date with what's happening, where can they get at you? All right. Well, what you can do is you can jump onto Twitter and uh, follow me. I'm Kurt Russell Fan Club, Kurt I-U-S-L Fan Club, and uh, Dead Static Drive is the game. But also, if you go to deadstaticdrive.com, that'll take you to a mailing list that you can sign up for. So, if you're not into Twitter, that's the best way of keeping in touch. Excellent. That sounds absolutely amazing. I know I'll be hitting you up on Twitter. We did have a little blurb up on screen so people can see that much That's more it. easily and we'll, as well. And we'll, of course, pop up all the things after the show. Yeah. Mike, thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate you coming in, phoning up the studio and just hanging out, essentially. Mm. Been a pleasure. Thank you so much. 
And thank you, listeners, for joining us for another episode of Pixel Sift. Pixel Sift is produced by Scott Quigg, Mitch Lowe, Fiona Bartholomew, and our executive producer is Gianni D. Giovanni. As always, we'll be sticking links in the show notes of this episode and on our website to www.pixelsift.com.au. Uh, yes, you can support Pixel Sift by visiting pixelsift.com.au forward slash store and pick yourself up a sweet Pixel Sift t-shirt, tote bag and more. If you enter the promo code, code SIFTERS, that's S-I-F-T-E-R-S, you'll get 25% off your order. That's pixelsift.com.au slash store and promo code SIFTERS. You can find us on social media where you can get alerts when we go live. We love your questions and you've got the chance to ask developers we speak to questions each week when we're live we're on facebook.com forward slash pixel sift twitter.com forward slash pixel sift twitch.tv forward slash pixel sift and youtube.com forward slash pixel sift au and Scott if people want to listen to other episodes where can they go (laughs) is it another pixel sift.com yeah you can go to our website (laughs) to stream episodes subscribe as a podcast either on iTunes podcast or using the RSS link on our page we're live every Thursday Next week at this time, join us for Pixel Sift Plays as we check, uh, as we play some of the indie games we feature on the podcast and more. Our next episode is on the 26th of April. And while you're on iTunes, if you can give us a like and a star rating, it'll be much appreciated and it'll help other people find our show. Or even better, load up an episode of Pixel Sift on your friend's phone if you think they'd like it. Mike, thank you again for joining us. Um, I've been James. This has been Scott. Thank you very much. Peace out. If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 